Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast, episode 36. I am excited that you could uh, join us for this. This is, uh, you know, every episode that we get into uh, and the number goes higher and higher, I get more and more excited because I never expected the podcast to be this much fun. And uh, I look forward to recording these episodes with my co-host, the director of online training for the My Dog Can program, Instructor Shannon Viljasso. Hey, Shannon, how are you? I can. Hi, everybody. These podcasts are tons of fun. I look forward to them, too. Yeah, for sure. And we get to talk about all kinds of things. If you listen to our podcast last week, it was a pretty heavy subject, um, but it was really, it's important information. If you haven't heard it, it is a, uh, about the problem with common sense when it comes to dogs and dog training. But this week we have something that's a little bit um, lighter, a little bit um, more fun. And it's your to-do list for you, you, you and your new puppy. Now, um, I love puppy time. I love everything that surrounds puppy time. And we have lots and lots of students that ask us about the things that they should be doing with their puppy in the uh, first little while that they're home. So today we're going to talk to you about that uh, on our podcast. I'm Ken Steep and welcome back to McCann Dogs. Now, some of our instructors that uh, I talked to, Shannon, don't love the puppy period. They would much prefer to have a dog, at, you know, at a couple of months, few months old when they've gone through some of the chewing phases that need to be managed, some of the um, house training issues that need to be dealt with. Um, but for me, that's those are my favorite times when it comes to puppy training. How do you feel? Yeah. I absolutely love puppies. Love, love, love so much. I love watching them learn. I love learning about them. I love figuring them out. I love adding to my list. I have um, this really old now ratty book, notebook that I have been compiling basic puppy additions to for the 20 years that I have been doing this. And that's where this blog post came from, was from that to-do list with your new puppy, because I tend to really rely on journaling and things like that to remember that, you know, the last time I had a puppy was a long, long time ago. And I actually have a big gap in between my dogs right now, just because I lost two dogs, sadly, very close together. So my oldest dog is 10 and a half, and my youngster is 18 months. So It had been a long time since I had a puppy and I was really grateful to have this book because even being immersed in puppies all the time here, which is a really, really fabulous thing, um, I forget, you know, you forget what happened when your last dog was a puppy and all the things that you did. And I find that very overwhelming. I'm very much a person that likes to have a plan in place. Mm -hmm. I like to know what I need to do. I like to be able to check things off my list. So I like to have these to-do lists and I love that it makes me, it makes me able to focus on enjoying the puppy because I don't have all this overwhelming feeling of dread that I'm missing things with this young dog. Yeah. And uh, like anything in life, uh, there's that old saying, what gets measured gets improved. So uh, having a list like this uh, really puts you in a good place to um, track and and monitor your progress as well as not not forgetting something, not missing a step. So let's um, let's talk about some of the really important steps that a new puppy owner uh, should be going through. And if you are recording this at home, um, the uh, first topic is socialization. You can just mark that down on your little notebook and uh, and. Shannon, talk about socialization for your new puppy. 
Absolutely. So getting your dog out and exposed to things in its new life early on is a really, really important thing. And of course, you always need to be cautious with young puppies that still haven't had their full vaccination series and whatnot. And you also want to make sure that you're not putting them in situations where they get overwhelmed and develop a negative association with these things. But it's so important that you get them out and about to meet you know, new people, new things, have new experiences. And there's there's a lot of confusion about what socialization is. A lot of times people think socialization is just socializing your dog to other dogs. And that means in most minds, letting them play with other dogs. And that's really not the case. Um, if you if you basically head out with the idea of just letting your dog play with every single dog they ever meet in their entire life, that's all they'll ever think about every single time they see another dog. And some dogs will love that, and it'll just make a dog that every time they see another dog, they're lunging on the leash and, and trying to tear out towards that person or dog or whatever it is that is exciting them in that situation. And some dogs will get overwhelmed by that. Um, my Reggie is that my 10 and a half year old is one of those dogs. If I sort of forced him to interact with every dog and person that he met out on the street, he would not be a happy dog at all. He would be constantly nervous and tense. So I, at a young age, I brought him out and about to a ton of different places, but it wasn't so that he could actually interact with all those people and dogs. It was just so that he could be exposed. If you think about socialization as exposure, you're setting yourself up for a much better and much more realistic scenario. And that is because we don't want our dogs to have negative associations. And that is far too possible, especially with other dogs. You know, letting your puppy say hello to other dogs out there on the street could be just fine. You know, that could be a nice dog that loves puppies, but it could be a bad situation where your puppy gets put off or even hurt by a strange dog out on the street. So I absolutely make sure when I'm socializing with four other dogs, it's always in a puppy class where I know the other dogs are at the same stage as my puppy. Not all dogs like puppies. So other puppies generally will play really well with uh, with each other. So that's the time where my dog gets to play with other dogs or you know my friends that I know have nice dogs and I know they're not going to be a problem. I will occasionally let my puppies go and play with my friends' dogs. But for the most part, I don't want my dog getting so engrossed in playing with other dogs that that's his main focus in life. And that'll happen very, very quickly. You know, remembering that dogs are a different species, they're always going to recognize their own species as the sort of first and foremost creature that they wanna greet and that they get reinforcement from. So if you feed that reinforcement, it's going to end up in a situation where all your dog wants to do is play with other dogs when they see them. And that can be quite the, um, quite the irritation. Um, but you want to make sure that you're socializing and exposing your dog to so many different things. Uh, top of the list is people. So having a pleasant and positive association with all sorts of different sizes and shapes of people is only going to set your dog up to generalize that people are a good thing and that they don't need to be worried about people as they move through the rest of their life. So early exposure is important, but always remembering with exposure to anything, it's early positive exposure. Mm -hmm. So pick your social opportunities very wisely. You know, if you're approaching somebody that you don't think is going to want to interact pleasantly with your dog, that's not the person to say, hey, do you want to say hello to my dog? 
you know, same scenario with other dogs. Uh, kids should be on that list. You want to expose your dogs to kids. And I will often, when I have a young puppy, I'll go to schoolyards and I'll just sort of hang around outside the fence with my puppy and we'll play tricks and, and interaction. I really like it when there's a fence there. Um, for example, if the kids are out at recess and you're outside the fence with a puppy, you're going to attract attention but it's through a fence, which is really, really nice because you can control the excitement level. So for example, with Reggie as a puppy, I would go to the schoolyard, but we would be on the sidewalk and there was a 15 foot gap between the fence and the sidewalk because I didn't want him getting overwhelmed by that scenario, but I wanted him to see kids and take in the fact that the kids were not anything that were going to be a danger to him and he didn't need to worry about those kids. So I did make sure that I exposed. Um, with Ned, I went closer to the fence because Ned Ned loves everyone and everything. And then I also had the um, added benefit of now having a young niece and nephew in my family while Ned was growing up. So he got lots of exposure to kids. Um, other dogs we already talked about. Things in the environment that are going to be a constant in your dog's life. If you tend to walk through the city, cars are going to be a big deal. We want to make sure that our dogs are not afraid of cars, and we also want to make sure that they don't want to chase cars. Mm -hmm. So early exposure to that and keeping the focus, you know, yes, they can check out the car, but then ideally redirecting their focus back to you with tricks or response to name or young, or young dog training exercises is really going to help them to learn to not be too stimulated by the cars and to not be worried about the cars at all. Any objects that you can find in your environment, and it always strikes me when I have a puppy, I always forget how impactful garbage day in the neighborhood is as I'm walking my young puppy and all of a sudden there's these giant funny shapes and Usually it's pretty easy to get them over that because the smell of garbage is very appealing. So you can just walk them up. They'll be naturally curious to investigate in most cases. And when they realize that it's not a, you know, a big glumpy monster sitting on the sidewalk waiting to eat them, they're usually pretty happy with that. And then, you know, you can do it a couple of times as garbage day rolls around again, usually past that they're, they're fine and dandy with garbage for the rest of their lives or the, the change in the environment rather, you know, anything that looks strange that your dog might balk at. You want to try to expose them to that so that they know that you don't want them to go through their lives being concerned and worried about things. So you do want to allow them to investigate, allow them to realize that this, this thing is not a threat and uh, sort of press the issue as much as possible from an exposure point of view. Um, different places Different places that have different smells, different sounds, things like that are going to be really useful to expose your dogs to. I like to go, when I have a young puppy, I like to go to um, uh, the PetSmarts and the um, Ren's Pet Depot and anywhere that takes... Um, anywhere that allows dogs, and there's some Canadian tires that do now, but I will always keep my puppy up in arms. So if I have a puppy that hasn't had their full vaccination series yet, that puppy is being carried through those places with me just so that he can experience going through a Canadian tire and all the people saying hello. And he can experience, you know, the, the, the sights and sounds of a busy store, but I'm not going to risk uh, any contamination happening as far as, as far as illness. And I also want to make sure places like a pet store where dogs are allowed in, I don't necessarily want a dog coming flying around the corner of a, of a shelf or of an aisle and pouncing on my puppy. So I want to make sure that I keep my puppy up and safe, but he still gets that exposure. 
noise. Uh, noise is a huge one. So uh, fireworks and, and racetracks and things like that can be very, very scary for a puppy. We're really lucky here with the racetrack. We actually have a, a racetrack right behind our facility and there's a big berm. So it deadens a lot of the noise. So with a young puppy, I'll often go back there and just play with tricks and fun games of tug and run and chase while my puppy is listening to that noise and acclimating to the idea that that noise is not anything that they need to worry about. Um, and then the other, um, the other category I have with socialization as far as places go are the places your dog will frequent in their lives. So that's going to be different for everybody. Um, for example, kennels, groomers, veterinary clinics, those, those places that your dog has to go and be confident and be comfortable in, you want them to have some exposure before they're actually forced to be stuck in that scenario. So especially with the kennel or the groomer where you might leave your dog behind, you want to make sure that you have taken some time first to say, hey, this is a really good place. It's not scary at all. Get them a little bit accustomed to that environment. With a young puppy, I'll often just stop in at my vets, walk in, give them a couple of cookies, put them on the scale just so that I can get an idea of what their weight is and how much they're changing. And then, of course, bring them up to say hello to the reception staff and whatnot. So they get this nice positive association with those areas. There's certain, um, there's certain smells and, and sounds that come along with areas like that, groomers and kennels and whatnot. And you want your dog not to be afraid of those things. You want them to go in and be like, oh yeah, this is a pleasant place. I came in here, I got attention, I got cookies. Life is great. So keeping track of uh, people, places, and things uh, that you're socializing your dog with is going to be really important. And something that people should keep in mind is that as the seasons change, those environments change as well. So don't be too surprised if, you know, the fall rolls around and uh, the leaves start falling and your puppy is having a completely new experience or, you know, the snow melts after winter and the uh, your puppy gets to see grass for the first time. And these are all new experiences for your puppy. So keep a close eye on them and really understand that maybe that experience is, is, uh, is because of the change in seasons because it brings a whole new environment in their eyes. Definitely. Absolutely. Great point. So the next, you talked a little bit about getting your puppy accustomed to or comfortable with going to the vet's office. And it's something that we uh, always hear from vets is how happy they are that we do such a great focus on handling, uh, that we talk to people about how to make their puppy comfortable with the idea of being handled, whether it's for grooming or whatever. Um, so you mentioned that as the next point in your uh, to-do list with your puppy and talk about how, how, why handling is important when it comes to your puppy to-do list. Because you will always have to handle your dog. That's why it's important. It's so crucial that your dog learns to accept handling because you never know when you're going to have to medicate them, whether it's ears or eyes, eye drops, brushing teeth, you know, pulling a stick. I, I saw your um, your story about Kale pulling a stick out of, was it Rad's mouth? Uh, you know, being slam. able to open slam. Yeah. Being able to open your dog's mouth and look inside and examine and have them not be concerned about that is so, so important. We need to make sure that we can take our dogs to the vets and to the groomers and have our dogs be confident and comfortable that nothing bad is happening just because the groomer is holding their paw to, to trim their toenails. I used to tell my Head Start classes all the time, my puppy Head Start classes all the time, don't forget, even though you may not want to cut your dog's nails yourself, you may want to take them to a groomer or a vet to have that done, 
your dog still has to live through it. They still have to be willing to accept it, able to accept it. The more work you do, if you're scared to cut your dog's nails because you're worried to cut the quick, that is okay. You do not have to do it yourself. There's all sorts of places that will do it for you for mm. usually for a small fee, but you have to get your dog used to it still. So still invest in a pair of nail clippers, work on holding your dog's paws and as they're calm, touching the nail clippers to their toenails and feeding them for being calm for that. You know, really building the understanding that when they're handled, their job is just to sit still and wait for, wait for you to say all done so they can move again. And you cannot practice this enough. High value rewards, touching in any body part, and, and keeping in mind that every dog's going to be a little bit different. So for example, if I had a Wheaton Terrier and I knew that I was going to clip my dog's coat, I would make sure... Uh, I would make sure that my dog was used to the sound of the clippers, the sound of the blow dryer. You know, all those things are going to come into play in that dog's life where he is expected to stand and be calm at the groomers and accept all this grooming. So not only does it make the groomer and the vet's life easier, but it takes all of the terror out of the situation for your dogs. Remembering that they're dogs and they don't understand what's going on. When they go to the vet, they don't understand that it's for their own good to have a needle poked in their back. They don't understand that, you know, something that may be really uncomfortable, it's for their own good to allow the vet to examine and see. So we need to make sure that our dogs are, yep, been there, done that. I absolutely am fine with you palpating my belly, looking in my ears, looking down my throat, brushing my teeth, you know, all of the things that they're going to have to be exposed to in their lifetime. That handling is so important to create a nice positive association with. And we have a million different resources available to you, our podcast audience, uh, available online. And I'll drink some, uh, I'll drop some links links to those in the description below because I think it's uh, it's such an important thing and it's always something that we hear back from uh, our the vets who you know send us students. They say like it's so great to have their these McCann trained dogs come in because they're so comfortable with being handled. It's because we put such a focus on it. And we know how important it is uh, for you to be able to handle your puppy. Now, another thing that Shannon and I have created some uh, resource and uh, some content for are food bowl and possession games. And uh, getting to your puppy early with the, this sort of good information is, is really, really helpful. And talk about some of the food bowl and possession games that you would do with your new puppy, Shannon. Yeah, definitely. So I will do a lot of work with, um, you know, if they're if they're having an early chew when they're when they're a young puppy, I'll often hold the chewy so that they get used to the idea of me holding them and holding the chewy. And you know, we'll just snuggle on the couch and watch some TV, and they're chewing on it's usually a bull wrinkle or something like that. They'll be chewing on that bully stick while we're watching TV, and I'm snuggling with them, and they just get used to the idea that. I am the bringer of good things. I'm not going to take this away from you. Please don't be concerned that I'm going to take this away from you. So um, I will make sure that once my dog graduates to the point that they are chewing on their own, they're maybe lying down on their bed in the living room and they're chewing their bone. And I will get into the habit of walking by and dropping some really great treats. And I mean like the bacon, the steak, the hunks of cheese, something that is like wow, I got this wonderful thing when you approached me while I was eating. And a little bit of a caveat, if you start to see reaction from your dog in the form of any type of aggression, whether it's growling, whether they're freezing as they're chewing and you approach, um, anything that you think, oh, I don't really like that, you need to contact a behaviorist and nip that in the bud. It is so, so important to deal with those behaviors rather than avoiding them. And don't move forward with any games or anything like that because they could 
would make things worse if you're already seeing a problem. You know, if your dog is is um, learning swimmingly that you're not a threat when they've got something of value, keep going with these games. Make it really positive when you approach. You know, every once in a while, you can reach in, take the bone, give them that um, that wonderful treat, that hunk of bacon or whatever out of your other hand, and then give them back the bone again. It's really such a win-win situation for the dog. As far as food bowl, you know, similar situations. I wouldn't do this every single time I fed my dog a meal because that's going to get annoying in a, in a, in a pretty quick uh, amount of time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times dogs will, that annoyance with the dog will actually turn into a problem. So what we want to do is just do it occasionally, you know, let them eat in peace for the most part, but every once in a while, come by and drop something really wonderful in their bowl. We've, um, we've got a blog post on food bowl games and we have got uh, a podcast, I believe as well that we did on food bowl games. So there's yeah. a lot more extensive information in there. But yeah, definitely working through that is going to set you up for a lifetime of hopefully hopefully never having to worry about your dog showing possession over food or over their favorite toys. And it really allows you to build on a foundation of successful repetitions. And that's really what we want we want to do. We don't want to discover that we've got a problem and then have to work through it. It's so much easier to just give our dog good information from the beginning and then you have no uh, uh, challenge to deal with. Now, definitely. we talk about... Sorry. Sorry, it builds trust. It does. Yeah. It really does build trust. And that's a big part of what we're doing here. When we talk about teaching uh, our dog, whatever the skill is, it's uh, about consistency and it's about trust and expectations. And I mean, that's it's um, so important for your dog to know what to expect from you and, and to know that uh, you are the bringer of all things that are good. And uh, you know it has quite an amazing impact on them and their response to your uh, dog training. It's, it's pretty impressive to watch. And I, I, I noticed the students that we have in uh, grade one classes who are consistent and, and they'll go home and do some of these, out, you know, extracurricular activities, things like the food bowl games or working on uh, crate training, for example, like working on some of the fun things that we talk about in our classes to do with dogs in their crate. And it can be a really, uh, it, it, it's not just the walking on a loose leash stuff. It's the big picture of dog training and that, um, it, that, that carries a lot of weight when it comes to how successful you can be when you're training your dog. If you're uh, giving them clear, consistent, um, trusted information the whole way through, you, you will quickly, uh, you, you'll see results more quickly. Now, uh, Absolutely. Crate, crate training is the next thing that you talk about, Shannon, on the list uh, of the to-do list for your puppy. And um, talk about why that's such a valuable tool when it comes to training your new puppy. Because they are nonstop. If they are awake, <laughs> if puppies are awake, they are nonstop. They will be into everything. They'll be pulling up your carpet. They'll be chewing your TV wires. They'll be jumping up on the counters. They'll be complete nuisances. And it's not that that's not the truth when they're out and about, but what we want to do is we want to manage the amount of time that they spend being those complete nuisances. They are exploring the world. And I mean, nuisances, of course, in the nicest way. Oh, of course. We yeah. Puppies, but <laughs> we want them learn. We want them to learn the right things. And if you allow your dog too much freedom, and we say this all the time, and I'm sure this is no news for our audience here. If you allow your dog too much freedom, they will make the wrong choices if they're not ready for that freedom yet. And even Ned, right now, I'm at the test point with Ned, where I will leave him out loose in the house. 
um, while I go and do something out in the car, for example, or while I'm going down the street to the store to pick up something really quickly. So, you know, 15, 20 minutes max at this point. And so far, <laughs> knock on wood, he has been good as gold in the house. I come back and he's usually, you know, sawing logs on the couch, which is great. But this is 18 months of really solid training before I started even thinking about giving him that freedom. And I say he's 18 months old. That's not a guideline by any stretch with, um, my first toller, Jaden, that dog was two and a half before I even thought about the idea of giving him enough freedom in the house where he would be free to make his own choices. So every dog is going to be a little bit different. You've got to gauge that dog. When was the last time I remember that dog getting into mischief? Hmm, I don't remember the last time he got into mischief. So now maybe I'll test him when I'm not home and see how he does. But the crate is basically going to be the babysitter in the interim. When you can't watch the dog because you're showering, because you're cooking a meal, because you've got to go to work, for whatever reason, you cannot supervise your dog 24-7. So having that crate, first off, it allows you to keep your puppy safe. It allows you to control the resources that your puppy has access to. It allows you to reinforce the rules of the house well. And it also allows you to put importance on yourself. So what I mean by that is if we have a puppy who's allowed to do whatever they want for all of their waking hours because there's no management involved, you know, by means of a crate or anything of that nature, that dog is going to get reinforcement from its environment in droves. And basically, he's going to look for his own reinforcement. That's the habit that he's going to get into. So if, on the other hand, we have a young puppy, so I've got my 10-week-old puppy, and he's used to being in the crate when I can't watch him. And then when he comes out, I know I've got, you know, a good five to 20 minutes of good focus and good attention from my puppy. And I can use that to teach him tricks. I can use that to play games with him, play tug and set the rules of tug and out, things like that. Or I can just use that that to hang out with my puppy. But what I'm doing essentially is I'm taking away all of the other free reinforcement in the environment and I'm letting my puppy realize that I am very reinforcing. And that's important because when it comes to the great skills that we all need, like coming when called and walking nicely on leash, if my dog has gotten used to looking to me for that reinforcement, he is going to be much more apt to say, okay, what do you want me to do now? As opposed to, okay, what can I do now? And looking around the environment and trying to find his own rewards. So you're going to have a much easier time with focus and with training if you manage the reinforcement in their environment a little bit more. So crate training is an absolute must in my opinion i would never raise a dog without and in, in in my experience and opinion uh it's a safe way to transport your dog you know securely in a crate uh if your dog needs to go to the vet for one reason or another they will be placed in a crate <coughs> excuse me um so having them comfortable in that situation is so important especially when you know it's out of your hands uh it, having them have some experience in a crated situation is so so very important definitely Definitely. Now, the next thing that you talk about um, is the drop it command. And this is something that uh, is so vitally important when you have a puppy who is exploring the world with their mouth. Um, it's so nice to build in a way to get that thing, whatever it may be, out of their mouth. And talk about um, how you use it in this situation. Absolutely. It's one of the first things I teach my puppies. And primarily that's because I have sporting breeds and sporting breeds are very tactile with their mouths. They like to pick up and carry anything. Um, with young Ned, 
his first reaction to any happy situation, you know, whether I've gotten home and he's excited to see me or whether there's something wonderful in the environment, his first reaction is he looks for something to pick up. Doesn't matter what it is. He just, he, he innately has a desire to have something in his mouth. Um, I'm trying to think back to before my sporting breeds with Quincy, my Rottweiler, if she was the same. And I, I don't remember her being the same, but it was a long time ago. So really every dog's going to be different as far as what they want to pick up. But what's important is that you always have a hands-free way of saying, oh, I want you to drop that right now. It may be something completely benign that your dog has picked up, and it may be something extremely dangerous that your dog has picked up. So it's so important that we don't ever, ever have to wrestle things out of our dog's mouths. A, at some point, you're going to lose at that game. You know, when they get old enough to either run away from you or fight you on that object, you are going to lose if you're trying to wrestle it out of your dog's mouth. So you need to give them an exercise, a cue, an activity, a command that says, I want you to spit out what you've got. And our goal with that is that they're always more than willing because they get something better in return. And and I'm going to tell this story as gross as it may be. Um, we walk a lot in a ravine that tends to have um, all sorts of debris and things in it. And Ned will frequently bring me bones, frequently bring me bones that have been, you know, left by some predator somewhere. I don't want him into those things, but he will happily now at 18 months, he'll happily now bring me that bone in exchange for a game of some sort or a small cookie if I do have one in my pocket. And it always makes me laugh because it's basically the equivalent of him bringing me a million dollars and me giving him a buck in return. Yeah. But that has been ingrained since the beginning. First thing I taught him was how to trade me for something better. So now it, it, he never thinks, oh, you're going to take this away and I'm going to lose it. His first reaction is always, oh, you must have something better then. So uh, that drop it skill is absolutely beyond important. It's so, so, so crucial that you spend some time teaching your dog to trade. Don't chase them when they have objects. Don't try to wrestle it out of their mouth. Again, like I said, at some point that is going to um, come back to bite you. You need to work on teaching them to pleasantly give objects back to you. And if you're a loyal podcast listener, you'll know we've talked in the past about using a house line for your dog, whether it's like a leash that you got from the dollar store that you cut the loop uh, of the handle off, or maybe it's, you know, a, a short piece of line so that you can ultimately um, have some control uh, in, in some of those out of control situations so that you can um, guide your dog away from that distraction or that danger. Um, using that house line is really, really important uh, in lieu of a 100% reliable drop of command. And even when, even when you do have that great drop of command with young puppies, it's a good idea to have their house line on if they're not, uh, if they're not listening 100% of the time. Now, Shannon, you talked a little bit about taking Ned uh, to uh, a busy environment outside of like a public school and doing some tricks with him. And now I, I really think that people uh, overlook the value of trick training. Uh, it is such a powerful tool. Um, talk about uh, its importance when it comes to your puppy to-do list. Absolutely. Tricks are, first off, they're so fun. You know, it's so much fun to teach a dog how to do tricks. And when people see puppies waving and spinning and 
it's just the most adorable thing in the world to, to teach your puppy tricks. But there's so many important reasons to teach tricks. And it's not just for showing off and having fun with your puppies. First off, it teaches your puppies how to learn. So with um, with any behavior, there there's really three specific ways that you can teach a behavior. You can lure it, you can shape it, or you can capture it. And with all of those methods, you're giving your dog new tools to learn. So if I'm luring my dog into a behavior or into a position rather, you know, say for example, I'm teaching my dog to spin. I might take a cookie and I might let him follow the cookie into the spin. And my dog is learning how to follow a lure, which is a great lesson. And that's going to help me for things like trying to lure my dog into a sit or a stand or a down position. Um, if I am working on shaping, I'm teaching my dog to think and problem solve, and I'm teaching him to offer me behaviors that he might not um, he might not otherwise offer me. So shaping is basically getting uh, getting successive approximations, small um, small but mighty steps in a behavior. So I might start with. Uh, for example, I might teach my dog to untie my shoe and to start with that, I've got to, he's got to learn to bite the shoelace, then pull the shoelace and then pull it firmer. So I might work bits at a time with that. And again, it's teaching my dog problem solving skills. It's teaching him to use his brain. Uh, with capturing a behavior, it's something like sneezing, for example. There's no way I can lure or shape a sneeze. If I want my dog to sneeze, I need to, when that comes naturally, grab that behavior and point it out for him. So again, this is a great way of teaching my dog to think in three different ways. It's a great way of teaching my dog to act on those things and be confident about offering me behaviors. And then the nice thing about tricks, because there's no pressure with tricks, if the dog gets a trick wrong, the worst thing that happens is you're gonna, you're gonna try again. There's never gonna be any social or physical pressure with tricks. So dogs are really eager to perform tricks, even in situations where they're not necessarily comfortable. So for example, if I had taken Ned to that schoolyard and I wanted him to be focused on me and be confident about being focused on me, even with the screaming kids behind him and all the excitement behind him, I am going to use something like tricks when he's a young dog, especially to keep that focus and really reinforce him focusing on me in that environment, despite all the distractions that are surrounding him. So Tricks have such a very, very good way of convincing dogs that working is fun and working for us specifically is very fun as well. And all those things are going to feed into a dog that says, I want to do stuff for you. What are we doing now? You know, what have you got? I, I really yeah. enjoy being with I think one of the other advantages that I notice from our students is that they begin to learn how their dog likes to learn. They begin to learn what things, what treats are their dog's favorite, you know, uh, when to recognize when maybe they've had enough uh, training for the day or, or whatever the thing is. It really um, deepens their relationship, so to speak, with their dog and understanding of what their dog's capable of and what their <clears throat> thresholds might be um, for any training experience. I, I love, um, I really love using trick training. Uh, at all different points, whether it's in a new environment or it's, um, I just want to spend time with my dog because it's, it's such a great way to exercise their body and their brain that uh, once you're done a great session of trick training, it's uh, time for a puppy nap. Um, depending on their age, you hope you get through the whole trick training session, but uh, puppies love to nap too. So it's a, it's really a great way to burn off some of that excess energy and avoid having some of those uh, situations where they're getting into mischief because they're, they've got a lot of pent up energy. Now, when we talk Absolutely. about... 
when we talk about training, uh, we have uh, the My Dog Can online training program. Shannon is the director of that program. Tell us a little bit about the My Dog Can program, Shannon. Yeah, for sure. My Dog Can is our online version of our grade one program. And it, it um, embodies everything that we wanted to make sure we were delivering to our students in class in an online environment, which means that you get all the lessons of our grade one program and you also get the support of the McCann professional instructors. And that is what makes the difference with our program, I feel. We're gonna teach the dogs to come when they're called, regardless of distractions, walk nicely with you on leash, and we also work on sit and down stays. And what is by far what sets us apart, I believe, or what sets the My Dog Ken program apart from other training videos or other online situations is the support. You can call us, um, you can email us, you can send video of your training, you can, you know, hang out in the Facebook group with us. There's so much fun stuff that's going on there. It's It would be impossible for me to tell you everything that's going on in there, but we have challenges, we have live chats, we have all sorts of things that are great for helping you learn, as well as the support. So, you know, if you've got a training challenge and you post it to the Facebook group, we all learn from that. You know, every single one of our, our students in My Dog Can is going to learn from that situation and we're going to troubleshoot through things. So that really is what makes My Dog Can students so successful. By the end of the program, their dogs are coming when they're called, walking nicely with them, and they've got reliability in their stays and emotional control in their stays. So um, it's an eight-week program. You get access for four months. And uh, it includes all the support through that four months. So even if you finish the program eight weeks in, you're still able to contact us and get help with other things that are happening in your dog's life. It's sort of like taking a dog trainer home with you. Yeah, and really that's what I wanted to mention. I know that a lot of times people have uh, some concerns about doing online dog training. They think, geez, well, I don't know if I can do it on my own. Or, uh, you know, what if I run into a situation where, I, I you know, it's it's just not working. And that's that was our main focus with the My Dog Can program, taking the McCann Method grade one program that had helped over 80,000 dogs to be well-behaved four-legged family members and turning it into an online program where we could still teach our students, where we could they could reach out to us if they had a problem. You know, we have professional dog trainers in the office uh, six days a week uh, that are there to answer your calls. If you have, even if it's a question about, you know, I'm uh, my dog, some issue with feeding or I mean the, those the trainers in the office get some unusual questions uh, that aren't specifically about dog training but we're here to help you through those things you know we're here to make sure that you're successful um, because if it it's likely something we've seen before and if it isn't there are uh, you know all 60 50 trainers at McCann Fresh Dog Trainers that we can um, ask if maybe they have uh, the same breed as yours um, and and you know we can uh, sort of uh, get some of their uh, experience or talk about their experience with that specific breed. It's really, um, it's really, it's ideal for someone who has uh, a limited schedule, you know, is it really, really busy, uh, can only train at certain days of the week or, you know, going to have to do it this week. I'm going to train during the day because you have access to all the information. You can train on your schedule, but when it's not going 
you know, when you're having challenges or when you just have questions or when you have brags, you can reach out to a professional dog trainer and be guided through that process. It's really exciting to be a part of this as an instructor because we get to see people from all over the world to be successful with their dog training. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome to be a part of that and, and to see them uh, enjoy more time with their dogs because that's a big part of, I think, what we do here, Shannon. We're giving people more and more information so that they can get out and, and you know, have more experiences with their dogs, spend more time with their dogs because their dogs are listening. Absolutely. And I feel so proud of that. There's uh, there's so many moments in my week where I think, you know what, I'm so proud of that person and that makes me proud of what I do. It's it's a really, really great, great feeling. Totally. Well, I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast and I hope your notebook is full of things uh, on your to-do list for you and your puppy. I want to thank you for listening and Shannon, I want to thank you for joining us again. Thank you. That was fun. And if this is your first time on the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We publish new podcasts every single week to help you to have a well-behaved four-legged family member. And on that note, until next week, happy training. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.